This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. You know, I'm amazed sometimes how long it takes to put on a pair of shoes. I don't know if you've had the experience I've had. You're preparing to go out and say to your kids, say, we're going to leave in 30 minutes. Are you ready to go? You have everything you need? Say, yeah, yeah, we got everything. We're all set. Just need to put my shoes on. I'm in the middle of a show. Can, can I wait and put my shoes on when we're walking out the door? Yeah, that's reasonable. Go ahead. 30 minutes go by. Say, hey, let's go. Get your shoes on. Go out the door. Have you seen my shoes? No, I haven't seen your shoes. Have you seen your shoes? That's the thing we need to know. Well, I've got one. I don't know where the other one is. Have you seen my other shoe? Like, no, I don't know where you left your other shoe. Why aren't they together? That's where your shoes are supposed to be. They, they come in pairs for a reason. Check under your bed. Check by the front door. Check in the garage. Check the bathroom. If they're not in one of those places, come back. I'll help you find the other shoe. Don't you have any other shoes that, that go together that you can wear? That's, that's the real challenge. There's other shoes in your closet. Is there a pair there that go together? It Surprisingly, it takes a while. But you're not ready to go until your shoes are on. You're not prepared to leave the house without them. My wife grew up in Florida. She said as a kid, you never leave the house without shoes. Why? Because the sidewalks are blazing hot. Because in the yard, there's crabgrass and fire ants. It's dangerous to leave your house without shoes. And we all recognize the importance of being ready to go. The readiness that comes when our shoes are on our feet and we're prepared. That's what we're going to talk about today as we go to our sermon series, uh, the next piece of armor that we put on that completes uh, the set, the third in the series that Paul describes, the, the, the footwear. Of the armor of God. We're going to read in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 10. If you have a Bible, please turn there. We can read along together. The words will be on the screen behind me. If you want to use the YouVersion app, you can use a phone or tablet, open up the Bible app, search under events for Parkview Findlay, and find scripture and sermon notes there as well. Let's begin reading together this passage that hopefully you are committing to memory. Ten verses. I know it seems like quite a significant passage, uh, but it's doable, especially if you, if you work a little bit along the way through the whole series. Don't wait till the end. Don't procrastinate and try and cram. That's uh, been my history in school. They kind of put things off and try and knock it all out. As you work slow and get a little bit of time, it's, it's doable. It's reasonable. And it, it will benefit you to have the Word of God in your, in your mind and in your heart. Let's begin reading together verse 10. Here's what Paul says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the, dark, the forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. <clears throat> and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. In the Spirit, on all occasions, 
with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, our our sermon today will focus on verse 15. It's the second half of a sentence that, that covers verses 14 and 15 together. Stand firm then with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Stand firm. And, and these pieces of armor go together. They're, they're more significant, more complete, more effective when we are completely armed. For each of us to prepare to stand our ground. We're going to listen to these words from Paul. We're going to fit our feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Be ready for the attacks of of the enemy. Be ready for the spiritual battle that's taking place all around us. A, A battle that we don't talk about much. A battle that we may not think about very much. A battle that we we might, to be perfectly honest, prefer not to think about. We want to be blissfully unaware of of the spiritual battle that's taking place over our souls, that that surrounds us. A battle that threatens our future, our faith. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared for the attacks of the enemy. Because the element of surprise is a powerful weapon. And we don't want to be caught unaware, especially knowing that it was our choice to ignore the spiritual battle. And the attacks of the enemy, we could have been prepared for. We want to be ready for everything that's coming our way so that we can stand our ground and not be caught by surprise. Because when we're unaware, we're vulnerable. When we're not prepared, we find ourselves in an ambush. When my boys were little, they took absolute joy in shooting their mom with Nerf darts. I don't know what it is about little boys, but it is the joy of their existence just to, to shoot at mom all the time, anytime, to surprise her. And so we had this habit they had this habit. When she would leave the house, go shopping or come to a meeting, they would build forts and bunkers out of couch cushions, pillows, laundry, baskets, whatever they could find. And they would stock their forts with Nerf guns and Nerf ammo and sometimes even little foam balls, whatever they could find. They would get everything ready and then they would go sit on the couch, watch TV, play a game, whatever, and wait. And when they heard the garage door open, they would scramble and dive behind their bunkers and get ready for mom to come through the door. And she'd come in the garage, arms full of groceries, whatever it is she had, pop, 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 totally caught unaware. They, they loved it. It was just, they would just giggle and laugh. It was so fun. So fun. Our, our house looked like you know, American gladiators in the living room. Just, just a war zone. And the boys in, invited me to join them in this ambush. I had to think about it. It sounds really fun. It is really fun. And it helps that their mom just responds with such joy to these situations. She she is a delight. 
And, and so I'm like, hmm, is, is it bad that it, I really had to think about wh- which side I wanted to be on? Uh, I, in, in the many times that we did this, I was on different sides. I'll just tell you that. The last time, though, the last time that, that this happened, maybe this is the reason it was the last time, uh, the boys got everything ready. They built their bunkers. They stocked everything. Uh, they sat down to wait. And I went out in the garage and, and left a Nerf gun in the garage. And I texted my wife. said, there's a Nerf gun in the garage. You're going to need it when you get something like that. And so the boys, they heard the garage door. They ran, got, got ready for mom. And they weren't prepared for mom kicking the door open, fighting back. It was hilarious. And for some reason, that was the the last time. I I think that was the last time that 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 happened. But notice the difficulty I had with that decision about which side I wanted to be on. What, What side of that battle? And I struggled over that decision. We're unprepared for those attacks, we're vulnerable. When we're prepared for what's coming, we have a much better chance of standing against the attacks that are coming. When we're ready, when we're aware of what's coming, we'll be able to stand our ground. And after we've endured everything, to stand. And it's it's the gospel of peace that, that prepares us for the spiritual battle that's happening all around us. One was reading through some commentaries. One commentator said this, it's the gospel of peace that makes us ready for war. You like the way that those words are turned together? It's the gospel of peace makes us ready for war. It prepares us for those battles. It, it opens our minds to the possibility of what's happening. As we, as we hear the gospel, as we allow it to take root in our lives, as we turn from our lives of sin and turn to the Lord and we repent and leave that sin behind as we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, repenting of those sins and being baptized in his name, we, we come into this realization of a spiritual realm that maybe we didn't know about before, maybe we didn't care about before, but, but when the gospel of peace takes root in our lives, it realigns our thinking and our world makes sense. That we're not just living a physical existence, but we're also living a spiritual existence. And in Christ, the details of that physical world come into alignment. And, and we discover our purpose. We discover what we were made for. And, and it, it brings unity and alignment to a life that was once full of discord. We have to be ready for that spiritual battle to take place. And we have to have the right footwear for that battle. And, and Paul tells us we need to have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I like, I like the way he says that. He doesn't say get your shoes on. He doesn't say put on your, your combat boots. He says fit your feet with the readiness that comes. And, and those, are, those are critical words that we would, we would have the right footwear to protect our feet. Today, the soldiers go into combat, they put on combat boots. They're protective. They have thick rubber soles with, with heavy uh, rubber treads. So they can get good traction so their feet aren't going to slide out from under them. The last thing you want to do in the heat of battle is to lose your footing and, and go down and become vulnerable, easy prey, an easy target. Our feet are vulnerable. Paul was uh, in, in prison writing these letters, talking about the importance of the armor of God, uh, well aware of what Roman armor looked like with the guards that are around him, and he writing down, your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. The, the footwear at the time for a soldier would have been thick leather soles, 
probably with, with nails driven through the sole to give traction, like uh, almost like those uh, rubber snow tread that you put on, you clip on over your shoes. You ever worn those to get traction on ice? They're studded leather soles, give good traction, leather covering your feet, hopefully going up your, your ankle and calf to provide some protection, but let's, I mean, it's leather. Not a lot of protection. Imagine how vulnerable your feet would be in, in the heat of battle. Carrying a shield, it isn't going to go all the way to the ground. As you take your stance, feet, at least one of them will be exposed. And a wound to the foot is debilitating. Our feet are vulnerable. Maybe you've discovered that on vacation when you burn your feet on hot sand. And you realize how delicate your feet are because you're not ready for that. I've, I've discovered this in a number of ways. What? One of the ways I've discovered how vulnerable feet are is because of a children's toy. One of the greatest toys ever made, also one of the absolute worst toys ever made, the Lego. Wonderful for kids, creativity and building. They could also probably be used as a device of torture. They are deceptively pointy, especially when it's dark and you're walking through the house and you don't know that they're on the floor. Ooh, I hurt so bad. The other way I found this out was, was I, I was walking barefoot in our house on the carpet. It's relaxing. To, to walk on carpet and barefoot, I found a toothpick in the carpet. I didn't pick it up with my hand. I didn't see it with my eyes. I found it with the sole of my foot, and I went down hard, like scratching at my foot to find the source of this incredible pain. And sure enough, I had one of the largest splinters of my life. Not the largest splinter, that's another story, but one of the largest splinters I've ever had. The good news about having a splinter that is also a toothpick is, it was the easiest splinter removal I've had in my entire life. Boom, got the whole thing right there. But it was an incredible amount of pain. Our feet are vulnerable, they're full of nerves. And we need to guard, protect, and care for those feet. We need to, we need to be prepared, fitting our feet, readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I just threw that imaginary toothpick away, you see that? No more. We need to have a readiness that comes because of the gospel that's taking root in our lives. To stand firm in battle, to hold our ground, to stand our ground, to continue to stand. Now, Scripture tells us an awful lot about, about peace. And, and it helps us understand the kind of peace that's associated with the Lord. And we're talking about the gospel of peace today. We're, but but I want to I walk through a couple of scriptures that will help expand our thinking about this, this peace that goes with God. We'll begin in Philippians chapter 4. As we hear about this peace that, that guards and protects us, this, this peace that's like a, a shield protecting us. Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice the, the similarity of the, of the language Paul is using in these different passages. Of standing, of peace, of, of prayer. As we, as we tune our lives to the spiritual, we discover the significance of, of what he's talking about here. This, this, this manner in which God guards us with his peace. When we submit to him in prayer, when, when we pray continually, when we, when we surrender all the, the things that we're encountering to him, we find this, this peace. 
that transcends all understanding, that surpasses our understanding, that goes far beyond anything we could ever comprehend. It's greater than we could have imagined. It's, it's stronger than what we ever thought it could be. It is deeper than anything we've experienced before. It is so complete and fulfilling. It provides this, I don't know what word to put there. You know what I'm talking about when you're just completely at ease and at peace? It gives us more of that than we've ever experienced from any other thing in this world. And it comes from God. This, this peace that overwhelms us because what we thought we knew is just an infinitesimal fraction of the peace of God. In the same way that what we know about God is this, the smallest piece of the immensity of, the, of our eternal God. It surpasses everything we think and comprehend and understand. And it guards us. It guards our hearts. It guards our minds. It protects us in Christ. When we submit to the Lord in prayer. That's the peace of God. It's incredible. We also discover about this peace is that it's the means by which God crushes Satan. There's a passage in, in Romans chapter 16. It says this, everyone has heard about your obedience. He's talking to the believers in Rome. Everyone's heard about your obedience. So I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what's evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. If you don't know, this is also a camp song, Romans 16, 19. If you've never heard it, ask Mike. I'm sure he would love to sing it for you. This is pure joy for him. That God, the God of peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, I don't want to think about crushing anything under my feet unless I'm wearing shoes, unless my feet are fitted with readiness because of the gospel. I've stepped on enough things that I don't want to do any crushing without footwear. And so that we understand the preparedness that comes, the readiness of God's work in our lives, that God will soon crush Satan. Now, the victory over Satan was won at the cross. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, victory over Satan, but fulfilled in our lives, the day of judgment, that God will soon crush Satan under our feet, that God's work will happen through us because of the gospel of peace. And the grace of our Lord will be with you. And notice what he's talking to the believers in Rome about, that they've, they've been obedient, and he rejoices because of the obedience, but there's still a danger. And he encourages them to be wise about what is good and innocent about what's evil. To, to understand that the spiritual battle involves temptation. The attacks of Satan involve this threat to your faithfulness, to your obedience, and you have to be prepared to understand, to be wise, to be excellent at good, and to be absolutely innocent of evil. Because when we choose to give up our innocence of evil, we're confronted with this decision about which side of the line we're going to be on, on which side of the battle we're going to fight, on where we're going to stand. And it's an easy decision ahead of time. When you think about what it is to be wise about what's good and innocent of evil, but in the midst of battle, in the face of temptation, when 
the attacks of Satan come, it's much more difficult to then decide whose side you want to be on. God's peace, it guards our hearts and minds. It's the means by which he will crush Satan under our feet. And while the gospel does an awful lot to protect us, we, we also know that it, it is a peace that ends the hostility in relationships. It begins by ending the, the hostility in our relationship with God. It ends the conflict between us and God. And, and it also, this peace of God, ends the conflict and hostility in relationships we have with other people. When we get confused about this line, when we have trouble making a decision about whose side we're going to be on, we need to be aware of the fact that when we choose sin, when we choose to indulge, when we choose to chase after our desires, <clears throat> we position ourselves in opposition to God. And that means that we make an ally as we find a position of adversity with God. And our ally, because of our sin, is the one who's been tempting us. And that's a dangerous place for us to be in. The, the conflict in our relationship with God exists because of our sin, because of the, the choices we make to, to, to step across the line. The peace that comes in our relationship with God is peace that was purchased by the blood of Christ because he was willing to lay down his life and redeem us from that sin, to buy us back and free us from the bondage of sin and, and, and bring us back into relationship with God. He paid the price to overcome that conflict. Now we think about, about peace, and, and very often we think peace is a time where there is no conflict. The absence of conflict is peace, but that's not always true. In fact, peace is brought about by the resolution of conflict. And Jesus Christ is our peace because of how he overcomes the conflict between us and God by resolving, forgiving our sin, justified by his blood, made righteous in the eyes of God because of what Christ has done for us. And we find peace with God because of the work that Jesus did on our behalf. There's a relationship there that's possible for us because of what Christ does. And the, the gospel of peace works in us as it, de, as it demands our surrender, our wholehearted surrender to the Lord. And it continues working in us, not just at the time we accept Christ, it continues its work in us as it helps us identify the places in our life that we haven't yet surrendered to the Lord and demands that we sender, surrender them to the Lord as well, that we, we surrender all of who we are to him so that we can live faithfully obedient so that we can, can continue in this peace in which we now stand, surrendered to the Lord and living for Him. But justified through faith, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's an incredible work that He does for us. And this peace continues in our lives. 
as we reorient our decision making, as we as we discover the love of God, begin living in that love and living in that grace, as we experience it, then we begin sharing it. And we discover that all of our decisions have not only affected us in our relationship with God, they've also affected us in our relationship with, with people. And, and there's conflict in our relationships. There, there's difficulty in our relationships. And there's a need for each of us to find peace by resolving that conflict. And you know this is true you, in the relationships that you have. When you're looking for peace in a relationship where there's conflict, you cannot find that peace by running from the conflict. You cannot find that peace by avoiding that person. You cannot find peace in isolation. Because even in that time apart, you will be in turmoil. You will not have any peace knowing that hostility remains. We find peace in relationships when we allow the Lord to help us resolve conflict. When we allow the Lord to work in us to bring about reconciliation, where we choose to reach through the conflict and draw back into relationship with others. And we begin talking about pain and hurt and wrong and our own faults. And we speak honestly and openly, and we come to a place of understanding and forgiveness so those relationships can be restored, so we can find peace. Peace comes through the resolution of that conflict. We find scripture, this, this is true as well, as Paul wrote to the, the believers in Ephesus about what Christ did for them, what Christ did for us, what Christ did for all people. Paul said this, for he himself is our peace, who has made two groups, both Jews and Gentiles, one, and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. He is our peace. And we find peace in our relationships when we're willing to look beyond our hurt, when we're willing to look beyond the wrongs that have been done to us, when we're willing to look beyond our pride, when we're willing to look beyond the grudge that we've been carrying and see the people on the other side, to see them the way the Lord sees them, to understand that Christ died for you, that Christ died for me, that Christ died for us, Christ died for them because he loves us, because he cares for us. He was willing to lay down his life and every person that you encounter, every person that you have conflict with, every person that you look at with hatred, Christ loved them enough to lay his life down. Christ loved them enough that he was willing to endure the pain of the cross. And until we begin to see them like he sees them, until we're willing to love them like he loves them, until we're willing to, to live in this understanding of their identity, created by God, called his children, deemed worthy to experience his love and grace, deemed worthy to have Jesus Christ our Lord, sacrifice himself on their behalf when we begin to understand how much they are loved, we'll learn 
how to be that love toward them. Gospel of peace. As it works in us, as it roots out all those things that we've held on to and calls us to surrender them, demonstrates to us how we find peace in our relationships. How we find the confidence to work through all that difficulty. How we demonstrate the love and grace of the Lord. How we live that gospel through our lives. The message is about him. And the message of the gospel of peace prepares us for war. It, it helps us be ready to, to stand. It helps us to be ready to, to find peace in our relationships. It, it helps us to be ready to hold our ground when we're attacked by the enemy. And it's also something that thrives when we share it. And we find reinforcements. We find other soldiers to stand with us, to stand next to us, to hold the line as we share the truth of the gospel message and see how it works in their lives the same way it has worked in our lives. The peace that gives us confidence to stand together. And so we must be prepared to share the truth of the gospel of peace. We, we have to fit our feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel, not only to stand our ground in the battle, but to invite others to stand with us and be prepared to speak about the mystery of the gospel in the lives of others. And so these, these shoes that our feet are fitted in, this readiness, they're shoes that are right. They fit right. They're the right shoes for me and the right shoes for the situation. Years ago, I was driving and came across a car that was stopped in the road. And uh, it was a car that needed to be moved out of the road into a parking lot. And this person alone was trying to figure out how to get, get a car that wasn't running off the road. And so I pulled into a parking lot, walked back, and thought I was going to be of some help. So I get behind the car, and I get ready and I, to, to push. I take my stance, I get my hands on, and I push. And... Realize the car hasn't moved at all. How did I just, just make a full push and didn't do a thing? It's because I wasn't ready for the situation. I hopped out of my car thinking I was going to help with old shoes on that were completely bald, like a set of tires with no tread. I had no traction at all. And when I pushed, I pushed myself away from the car. It didn't budge a bit. And while I wanted to be real helpful, I wasn't helpful at all because I wasn't wearing the right shoes for the situation. When we're ready, we have to have the right shoes. The right shoes for the situation, the right shoes for us. Are you wearing shoes that don't fit? I have. I'm a sucker for a deal. I love bargains. We love clearance shopping. And so sometimes I buy things that aren't quite right for me. I found this, this great pair of tennis shoes on clearance. They were great. I love the look of them. I love the feel of them. They were, they were too big. Uh, and I, I put them on, and there was like an inch extra in the toe. But I tied them real tight. I pulled the laces tight, and they felt good around my, around my foot, around my, my ankle. And I was like, you know what? The price is so good. I'm not, I'm not going to pass this up. And so I wore these shoes around. And, and occasionally, I would drag that extra inch of toe on the ground and catch my foot. And, and I just looked awkward. I, I looked strange sometimes. Well, not all the time. I could handle it sometimes. But then it would betray me, you know, this extra bit of shoe that I'm wearing. There was another time that I went to buy some, some nice dress shoes. It was early on, like right out of college. My father-in-law, uh, as a gift, 
for Christmas, I think, get, or maybe graduation, wanted me to get a couple of suits and some nice shoes because a minister is super nice. Uh, but, but, you know, I wasn't used to buying real nice things. So I found this pair of dress shoes, real leather. I was like, oh, these are great. The price is good. But the only ones they had were a little too small for me. And I tried them on and oh, it was tight on my toes, pinched. And the, the, it was, I could tell by how painful the, the ankles were. I was going to have blisters. And so I, I was like, no, I, I need to look for some other ones. And I went to put them back. And the salesman came over and said, hold on, you need to know something. These, these shoes are real leather. I must have had just sucker written across my chest. These shoes are real leather. When you, when you buy genuine leather shoes, uh, you're, you wear them and your feet get warm, that leather stretches. So after a couple of weeks, these shoes are going to conform to your feet. They're going to be the most comfortable shoes because this leather is going to be shaped by that and, and expand and stretch a little bit. These, this is going to be great. I was like, okay. So I, I bought the shoes. I took them home and I wore them. And they were uncomfortable. Like uncomfortable enough that I like, was trying to walk in a way that I wouldn't get blisters on my heels. After some time, it was affecting my, my back. Like just uncomfortable all the time. Weeks went by. You know what those shoes did? They did not stretch. That leather remained uncomfortable and tight. And eventually I threw those shoes away. It, it was a while. I still wore them because I'm cheap like that. But they were very uncomfortable until I got rid of them. If, we're not, if we don't have the right shoes for us, we can't move about effectively. We can't move with confidence. We can't stand our ground knowing that our feet will remain under us. And when we're unprepared in that way, the gospel of peace doesn't work the way that it should in our lives because we haven't allowed it to work properly. When we think about what it means to share the gospel of peace with others, it's like wearing shoes that don't fit right. We begin a conversation and we stutter and stumble over the words we're trying to say. And we, we, we search for the right thing to say. And it's like, we're, it's like walking around with shoes that don't fit. Like when I was a kid and went to my grandpa's closet and I'd grab his work boots and just clomp through the house. We come at people with the gospel and we look ridiculous and we sound ridiculous. It's completely unconvincing because we aren't prepared for the moment. And it's more awkward and uncomfortable than anything else. We need to be prepared to speak about the mystery of the gospel so that it can change the lives of people by the power of the blood of Christ in the same way that it has changed our lives. And so we need to fit our feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel. We do that in a couple of ways. Let me just run you through a few things we can do to prepare to speak about the mystery of the gospel. The first thing we need to do is to pray. To pray for people that we're going to talk to, to pray for ourselves, to pray for the message, to pray for the ease of that conversation. Second thing we can do is to know the significance of what it is we're talking about, to know the eternal significance of what it means to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. The third thing we need to do is to know Scripture. We need to know what the Bible says about how we accept Christ, the manner, the means, the reward, all of the things that go with that decision, the commitment, the discipline, all of those things. We need to, we need to, to know Scripture. Four, we also need to know our story. We need to be well acquainted with what our life looks like, what our life has been changed into by the power of the blood of Christ, and be able to talk to people about what Christ has done for us so we can communicate to them what he can do in their lives as well. Five, we need to, we need to practice that process. We need to get comfortable. 
six, once we've done all those things, we need to initiate conversations with people. Now, that's hard. I know. We need to begin conversations with people that, that we know. Maybe not real well. People that we can see need to talk. We need to begin conversations with people we know really well. And we need to care about them enough that we're willing to begin a conversation that makes us a little bit uncomfortable. Because we know the value of what it is to introduce them to the gospel of peace and to the author of peace, Jesus Christ. We need to be willing to initiate conversations with people we don't know because they matter to God. He loves them in the same way that he loves us. And as we have those conversations, seventh thing we do is, is we point to the Lord. Sometimes that means turning a conversation to spiritual things, asking pointed questions so that we can talk about the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And the, the, the eighth thing we need to do is we need to pray, to keep praying, to continually pray for those people and for the situation so that we will be well-prepared, so that they will have open hearts to the message, so that the mystery can be unlocked for them as they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, we're, we're connecting the, the readiness of the gospel of peace with this, uh, these two verses at the end of the passage, verses 19 and 20. As, as Paul communicated so clearly the armor of God, the, the significance of the gospel, and he invited the believers to pray for him. And here's what he said, pray, pray for me also, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now in these words from Paul, we find encouragement, instruction, and, and things that we should be praying about ourselves. First, we'd be praying for the right words. The right words to speak to the right person in the right situation. Now, I've, I have witnessed people using this passage to justify their unpreparedness. And they say, well, I'm the mouth, I want to be the mouthpiece. I want to pray that God will supernaturally, uh, miraculously provide me with words that I, I don't know what they're going to be, but when I encounter a person, he's just going to fill me with everything I need to say in that moment. Now, God can do that. God will do that. But that's not what Paul is saying here. But Paul is not a person who was ignorant of Scripture. Paul was not a person who was unprepared to talk about the gospel of peace. In fact, when we read through the New Testament, you find him writing, speaking, calling on his knowledge of Scripture freely and easily. We, we read stories of him encountering people and talking clearly, powerfully, convincingly about the need that they have for Jesus and seeing the result of that playing out. Now, Paul was not someone who was lazy and unprepared. We should not allow this passage to justify that state of mind in ourselves. What we need to do is to pray that God will provide the right words for us so that as we're preparing, as we are, as we are reading our own Bibles and studying the word of God, we will be given the right words to speak from the truth of his word. We need to be praying about people and situations and, and trust that the Spirit is going to fill in the gaps of our ignorance, going to fill in the gaps of our inadequacy. He's going to fill in the gaps of our faults 
so that we have situational awareness of the person we're talking to, and he will help guide our speaking so that what we're saying is meaningful to them. You can't talk about the gospel the same way to every person you encounter. You can't use the same presentation with every age group, with every person with ha- who has different interests, who lives in a different place. You, you have to adjust your style. You have to adjust your approach so that it's meaningful to the right person in the right place. And, and the Spirit helps you discern and provides the right words for the right person at the right place so that the gospel will have the most effective delivery toward their hearts. And so we need to be praying that we would find the right words so that, here's the second thing, we'd be praying that we can make the mystery of the gospel known with clarity so that we would be able to, to talk to people about their need for the Lord and, and flip, the, flip the, the pages of the story to the end so we can reveal Spoiler, we can tell them exactly what's going to happen in their lives so we can help them understand that what their decision about Jesus is not just about who they are today, but it's about eternity. It's about the victory that was won by Christ. It's about grace that fills us and supplies for the life we're living now, but also for eternity to come. And we need to be, we need to be praying about our ability to unlock the mystery for people, to solve the puzzle and show them the pieces so they can understand it for themselves. And the last thing we need to be praying out, praying about is, is that the Lord would help us overcome fear of speaking with others. Now, most of us get uncomfortable public speaking. I'm talking about the, the fear we have initiating a meaningful conversation with another person. And we all have this this moment of fear that wells up in us, especially when we're unprepared. You like a pop quiz at school when you walk into work and they say, hey, you ready for your presentation today? What? And you get this cold sweat and this pain in the pit of your stomach. I didn't know I'm not ready. We need to be praying that that the Lord would overcome that fear in us through our preparedness, the readiness that comes with the gospel peace, and by filling us with confidence to overcome that fear, confidence, so that we can communicate the gospel in in a convincing way that shows people we truly believe the words that we're saying. We'd be praying about those things. So I want to challenge you to to, to pray these three things from Paul's words this week, this month, as you're thinking about the, the, the armor of God and the gospel of peace, that God would, would create opportunity for you that God would prepare you for those moments and that God would work to make those moments the most effective moments they can be for that person who needs to hear about him. I'm, I want to pray these three things for you. And after I'm done praying, I, I want to invite you now as we're going to sing a song after that prayer and worship the Lord. And during that song, if you have a decision to make about your relationship with Jesus, if, if you know that you need to respond to the gospel of peace that's taken root in your heart. If you, if you know that, that you're in the middle of battle, you need prayer. I would love to talk to you about your decision. I'd love to pray for you. And so I want to invite you to come forward after, after I pray. When I, when I say amen, we'll stand together, we'll sing. And if you need to make a decision, you can do it then. But let's pray together right now. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the gospel of peace. Thank you for, for the love and grace that we find in, in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would help us be prepared, that we would have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace so that we can stand against the attacks of Satan and that we can invite an army to stand alongside us in the spiritual battle. God, I pray that you would give us the right words.
you would supply us through your word. You would inspire us by your spirit. God, I pray that you would help us make known the mystery of the gospel of peace, that you would help us see the, the encrypted lock and, and understand the mechanism that will unfold the mystery for those that we're talking to. God, God, guide us in that process. Lord, I pray that you would help us speak fearlessly, that we would confidently, boldly care for people around us with the message of your love and grace. Thank you. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.